You are tuned to 233 ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM Channel 233. I'm your host, Dr. Joel Heller. Dealing with insurance companies can be one of the most exhausting and costly tasks of running a medical practice. Joining us today is Dr. Stephen DeAngelis, an internist in Chicago. Dr. DeAngelis has created a unique payment plan for his patients, and he's here with us today to talk about it. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Let's go back before you started doing this. What did you find some of your biggest challenges in reference to these things in running your traditional practice? You know, unfortunately, over the last 15 years, as you know, medicine has changed to the degree that the insurance companies, Medicare, and other bureaucrats are imposing their will in dealing with and intruding on the doctor-patient relationship. So what my biggest problem has been, you know, and I think a lot of doctors' biggest problems have been, have been, you know, submitting bills to the insurance companies, not getting properly reimbursed, having no say in, you know, what your reimbursements are. As you know, doctors can't unite and have a common voice because they're considered managers, which would be, you know, antitrust violations if they did that. And that prevents them from dealing with these insurance companies in any fair way. Insurance companies carry their float. They come up with excuses for not paying. They make the system so confusing that both the doctor and the patient just simply don't understand it. That confusion plays into their hand. It's not just a Medicare problem. It's an insurance problem. I totally agree with that. I think Medicare is a problem, but Medicare is kind of a benign, inept problem because it's just a gigantic bureaucracy. I think the insurance companies are a little more sinister, and and their motive is, is obviously much more financially driven. Even though they're not not for profit, they are for profit. Right. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing, what your change is, and how your mode of practice is. About four years ago, I had talked to some of my patients, you know, about a better way. I work for my patients, so the patient comes in and hires me to give him medical advice. Why is it that in this country we, you hire me for medical advice, yet there's a middleman, and you have to pay the middleman your premium, and then that middleman decides what he's going to trickle down to the doctor. So my thought was is I would go directly to the patients and say, what is my value worth to you? And I came up with a plan, and actually it was a plan that was developing nationally simultaneously as well, where that the patient would pay me a retainer fee on a yearly basis, and I charge $5 a day per patient, you know, a cup of coffee a day, if you will. And then the patient has access to me 24-7, you know, same-day appointments, basically be not only their health care provider, but their advanced medical home to help them through the complexity of the health care system in 2007. Where did you get the idea for that? Had you talked to other people? Are there national organizations that are doing this type of thing? There's a national organization that does it, and that was probably the genesis of me launching into it. But about 15 years ago, actually, there was some of the magazines had done it, you know, sell a lifetime subscription, you know, for X amount of dollars, and allows the doctor, in this case, to have to carry the float and to use that money then to treat your patients and provide less expensive care ultimately to your patients, better care to your patients, and less bureaucracy, less paperwork. And so you started this up and running. When did you get going with this? Three, four years ago, I started a pilot program that filled up. I had a great response to that. In July of 06, I launched the entire practice. I had 4,300 active patients, did that mailing, and had a great response to it. And in fact, I have a waiting list now to be a part of the practice, and I brought a younger guy on to kind of take the overflow. It's not solely I mean, so it doesn't sound all financial. 20% of my care is pro bono. 20% of my patient population I've kept, I don't charge a dime. They don't pay the retainer. They don't pay when they come in. And then the 80%, you know, that can afford it, pay me that retainer and 
and as nominal fee when they come in for an office visit. How did you come up with those numbers of where you wanted to draw the line as far as what number of patients you would see pro bono? Right. When I originally started, a busy internist was seeing, you know, between 14 and 18 patients on a given day in 1993. As time progressed, we were driven to see more than that, and I was seeing between 20 and 30 patients on a daily basis. And at that number, it's just very difficult to provide the kind of health care that I want to provide. So what we did is, is by going to this new system, it's allowed me to cut my patient visits in half, spend more time with my patients. So I see about 15 patients a day, and I can really do the thorough kind of medical care that I've wanted to do. I see my patients in the hospital on a daily basis. I don't charge for those visits. With the fragmentation of healthcare and the development of hospitalists and other entities, it allows me to be an active participant in patient care and not having to worry about billing, you know, for those visits. Most of your patients that are not on the pro bono part of your plan do have insurance, though. Is that correct? What, if anything, does your office or do you do to help them in terms of getting reimbursement for stuff, even though you may not be charging them? extensively for a visit or for seeing them in the hospital, someone is, or they want to get some of that money paid for. How, do, how does that happen? Yeah, it's good. Now, the health care savings accounts, you know, some people are using those to pay the retainer. Some companies are allowing that to be used to pay the retainer, the eighteen fifty a year. When they come into the office, we have a nominal fee, 50 75 or 100 $100 is the maximum, no matter how, many blood, how much blood work they have or, you know, EKGs, urines, et cetera. Then we stamp a paid receipt for the patient. They mail it into their insurance company, and depending on their deductibles and if they've met that deductible, but most of them get reimbursed, you know, 70%, 80% for, you know, that nominal office charge. Are you doing billing sheets in the office like you did previous to going to this method in terms of coding your office visits? Yes, absolutely. And then we just stamp on there, patient's paid bill, you know, please send check directly to the patient. And then they mail it into their insurance. And you've had no problem with that? No, patients have, you know, find it just as easy to deal with. And, and it, one of the benefits I find is is that the patients are getting to see the, the roadblocks that the insurance companies are throwing up, you know, for the doctors in healthcare. So it's kind of educationally very good for the population as well. Have you been able to cut down every office that I'm aware of has someone in their office that deals with insurance companies? And have you been able to, to get rid of that part of your overhead and time spent? Yes, and we actually, for the last few years, I was using outside billing source that was taking 7% of my receipts, and that we were able to stop doing. And, and it's just that also saves a headache, plus it gives an influx of money into your uh, practice. Do you notice any difference in your daily life now that you're doing, you're practicing this way? Yeah, the difference I notice is the patients are happier. I feel that I'm providing the kind of health care that I want to provide as opposed to running faster and faster on the treadmill. I think it's been beneficial for me, my family, and, uh, and most importantly, the patients. So your quality of life is better. You're able to spend more time away from the office because you have a much lower volume of patients you have to see. To, to make the amount of money that you want to make. Yeah, I don't know if it would be as much time away from the office as is, is just better quality time in the office. You know, I want to be available for the patients because that's part of the service that I provide. Probably in the office as much as I've been, but my time for doing literature searches or researching difficult diagnostic problems, you know, is, is greater, and I'm doing that in the office. When you first started this, you said you did a mailing and spoke with your patients. What would you say the reaction was? We actually sent 5,500 letters out, but really only 4,300 active patients. And out of that, I only had three patients that were upset about it. The bulk of patients were like, well, we understand why you're doing it, but it's just not for us. And then, you know, a large number of patients were eager about it. 
And in fact, I have a lot of patients that say you simply don't charge enough. If you do some market research around the country, you know, the going rate is going up between two and 5000 per patient now. You said the way people can deal with that, one of the ways is using a health care savings account. Is that okay as far as the government's concerned for, the, for their taxes? It's still somewhat in the air, up in the air. There are some companies that people have been getting reimbursed for it, and there's other people who have told me that their company said no, that that's not something that would be covered. You also say you do 20% pro bono, meaning you don't, they're not part of your pool that pays the $5 a day. You don't charge them when they come to the office. How do you decide who that patient is? Yeah, you know as a practicing physician that you, you often get to know your patients, and patients will you know, have several patients talk to me and say, look, we'd love to stay. We really don't want to lose you, but we just simply can't afford this. You know, and then those patients, I tend to know them well, and I say, absolutely, you know, those are the patients we work. That's, you know, more of a subjective kind of thing. I don't ask to see their tax returns, and, you know, so I'm sure there's somebody that can be cheating me, but, you know, that's their problem, not mine. Do these patients have insurance, though? Some of them do, you know, and that's an, an argument, you know, a lot of doctors have been telling me, well, why don't you just bill their insurance out of network? You know, send it in and bill them out of network. And that's something that I'm considering doing. You know, it's it's for the first year that I've been doing this, it's kind of nice not having any aggravation with any insurance companies. I've also gotten out of Medicare, so I don't even send a bill to Medicare or Medicaid. Those, you know, I don't want to put up with that aggravation. So for someone else that's listening in and wants to, to think about doing this with their practice, what would be the major piece of advice you would have for them? I think you have to have a certain relationship with your patients. I think you need to start the process probably a year before you really want to launch into it. Maybe do a pilot program like I did, which, you know, helped me from an anxiety standpoint, see that, you know what, this is going to be well-received. Could you give us a little bit more in depth of exactly what the pilot program consisted of? Sure. What I did is, again, four years ago, three, four years ago, I started talking to patients and said, you know, what I'm thinking of is, you know, starting this program where you pay a retainer and you can get to me, you have my home numbers, you know, same-day appointments if necessary. I'll see you every day in the hospital for free. And every patient I talked to said, count me in. I want to sign up. And, you know, I took 100 initially, and it filled up probably in about 10 days. People were always asking, hey, I had patients coming in and saying, well, you know, I know Bob is on it. You know, can I have that too? I want that offered to me too. And then that kind of led me into making the full conversion. Did you feel anything, especially when you're first starting out, adding another tier, another level to, to, of care that you're able to give to your patients? It's a great question, and it's something that I struggled with because, you know, you always want to provide top-notch care for your patients. The problem is, again, as you know, as a practicing physician for years, there's only a certain number of people that you can see in a day and still continue to provide that top-level care. And I had reached that maximum, you know, between 20 and 30 patients a day for a general internist with a busy hospital practice is just, you know, stretching you to the limit that you're not going to be able to provide 100% top-level care on a daily basis to each patient. I thought I was going to have to ratchet it back, and in order to you know, financially be viable, you have to come up with, with the retainer. But every patient that's seen in my office gets top-quality care. You know, So we really try not to have a two-tiered system. It's interesting, though, because in the capitalistic system here in the United States, everything is two-tiered. I mean, if you think now that the current health care system with the insurance companies isn't two-tiered, population is deceived. If you think some of these CEOs of these big corporations or people that donate millions of dollars to hospitals don't get a different level of care, you know, we're deceiving ourselves. So I try to make a personal conscious effort to deliver good quality care to everybody, and the doctors that I add to my group, you know, are the same way. But but it's it's a problem nationally. Do you see this as the wave of the future? I think some variant of it 
will be, and I hope so for a couple of reasons, let doctors take medicine back. Take medicine back from the insurance companies and from the government and hand it back to the patients. Let the doctor decide when he wants to give free care. And these people that can afford it should pay for it. People that can't afford it, we have a responsibility to care for those patients. So I'm hoping it goes this way, and I think it will. Why would doctors who are in the driver's seat with their patients, you know, it's a partnership, why would they allow these insurance companies to ratchet down their payment on a yearly basis? You know, and then the insurance company executives are making exorbitant amounts of money. That's just, there's something intuitively wrong with that. We really appreciate your time today. Our guest today has been Dr. Stephen DeAngelis. We'd like to thank you again for joining us. This has been Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM, Channel 233, the channel for today's medical professional. There's another great segment coming up. Please stay tuned. You are listening to ReachMDXM for Medical Professionals, Channel 233.